Wesley will come for me anyway. You're a silly girl. Yes, I am a silly girl for not having seen sooner that you were nothing but a coward with a heart full of fear. I would not say such things if I were you. <laughs> Why not? You can't hurt me. Wesley and I are joined by the bonds of love, and you cannot track that, not with a thousand bloodhounds, and you cannot break it, not with a thousand swords. And when I say you're a coward, that is only because you are the slimiest weakling ever to crawl the earth. I would not say such things if I were you. Get back, witch! I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. Wait, what? Today's episode comes to you live from the Church of Nativity in Timonium, Maryland. I'm talking with Tom Corcoran, co-founder of Rebuilt and pastoral associate. Is that what they're calling Yeah, that, that works. At the Church <laughs> of the Nativity. Uh, and we are here to talk about the most delightful movie of all time, The Princess Bride. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart. Let's get started. Have you ever wanted to be a hero? The one who saves the day, who overcomes the odds, endures all trials, whose steadfast faithfulness wins the battle. And what is true love? Does it only exist in fairy tales? Is it really worth fighting for? Or is the cost too high? What if I can't find love? What if I can't find purpose? And what if the sufferings and challenges and the setbacks of life have just worn me down? What about the people who have hurt me and who have hurt the people I love? Can I ever be whole? Can I get back at them? Should I get back at them? Can I ever really be the hero in this life that we're living? Can I even survive it? Do I even want to? These are some deep and heavy questions that you wouldn't expect us to be talking about when we're talking about The Princess Bride. When you watch that movie, it is super lighthearted and fun, but it also is like super deep and cuts mm. to our hearts. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. One of my favorite movies of all time, uh, growing up, I watched it a million times. My brothers and I would like quote it to each other with our friends. Um, and so I'm very happy today to welcome to the show... Um, Tom Corcoran, he has also welcomed me to Church of the Nativity. This is not my normal studio. This is the, the studio at the church. So thanks so much for having me here. So uh, Tom, tell me a little bit about you and tell the people that don't know you who you are. Yeah, so I, I grew up outside Philadelphia, still mourning the Eagles Super Bowl uh, loss, yeah. by the way. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, but um, grew up outside Philadelphia, uh, was a writing, uh, went to Loyola College here at university here in Baltimore now, mm -hmm. was a writing political science major. My plan was to go to D.C., work in politics my life, and then I was in D.C. for about six months and said, this is not the town for me. <laughs> I got offered a job to be here at Nativity um, to do youth ministry. Thought I would do that for two or three years, move on to something better. Mm -hmm. And that was 25 years ago. Oh, so right. um, I found there's nothing really as great as working in a local parish. And um, so I've worked here for 25 years. Also written a book with my pastor, Father Michael, Rebuilt. We've written some other books about mm -hmm. our experience of growing the church and what we've learned. Mm -hmm. And so I still work here in the parish, but also we have another organization, Rebuild Parishes, which is all about sharing what we've learned mm -hmm. and the fundamentals of what we learned with other parishes, hoping to see growth take place in their parishes as well. So that's that's a little bit about me. Yeah, we'll, we'll put some more of the resources for Rebuilt and Church yeah. and the Nativity in, in show notes because we want to get to the Princess Bride. Yeah. But as, as I kind of understand, and I've become aware of you over the, maybe the past 10 years, and I read your book, Rebuilt, and I've been up here to the Rebuilt Conference a few years ago in 2019. And it's really amazing what you've done up here in Timonium. And it seems like you've, you've kind of looked at some of the, the problems in our American Catholic Church is that so many are, are leaving and just kind of drift away from the church. And where are a lot of them going? A lot of them are going to, for lack of a better term, the, the Protestant megachurch, quote yep. unquote, and yep. evangelical megachurches. And so you've kind of looked at what are they doing right that we're not doing and tried to glean some of the best practices from them. And then how do we incorporate that in an authentically Catholic way? Right. And so it's been really cool. I've come up here to uh, mass a couple times. And it's just, it's really neat. The, the creative ways that you're thinking about community and, um, integrating some of these practices into the liturgy, but also like, it's just very evident to me that there's like a deep respect for the traditions of the church, a deep respect for the teachings of the church. And it's like something new It's very Vatican too. It's like yeah. up for the modern world, but like going back to the sources, like going back to what really makes us Catholic. And so anyway, um, and I, I've, 
just appreciate you and the the leadership that you've provided for a lot of parishes that are trying to revitalize and how do we keep people from leaving our church? So. Yeah, I, mean, I think for us, one of the things, a couple of things from that, you know, I love about, said about the about David, he served God in his generation mm. and that's what I, we hope we do. And, and our generation has technology and cameras and mm -hmm. all the stuff you're doing. And yeah. so, um, you know, I, I like what they say about Steubenville, dynamic orthodoxy. That's what we're trying to do. We got to mm -hmm. serve God in our generation. It's a very digital age. And so, yeah like you're doing with this, yeah. uh -huh. we want to serve God in our generation. Absolutely. Very good. Well, if you don't know who I am, I'm Mike Tenney. I am the host of Pop Culture Catechism, and I am a speaker and worship leader from Washington, D.C. I spent over a decade teaching Catholic high school theology and trying to make it big as a rock star at night. And now I'm blessed to speak to <laughs> thousands of people each year through events all over the place and through this show, Pop Culture Catechism, which is the gospel according to pop music and movies. And so our goal is by the end of this episode, not only will you have a greater appreciation for the Princess Bride and all the things that make it wonderful, but also so you'll have some practical and tangible ways to know God's love in your life and how to live that out, how to live the gospel today. So that's our promise for you. By the end of the episode, we're going to have that for you. And also at the end of this episode, I'm going to have a little something special for those of you that hang around all the way till the end. So stay tuned for that. I want to give a special thank you to all of our patrons who support this show through popculturecatechism.com and the Awaken Catholic app. All right. So let's get into talking about The Princess Bride. If you're not familiar with The Princess Bride, it came out in 1987. It's uh, Wikipedia says it's an American fantasy adventure comedy film directed and co-produced by Rob Reiner. It's adapted from the novel, a 1973 novel of the same name by William Goldman. Um, have you ever read the book? I can't say I have. My son has. But yeah, it's, 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 it's worth it. I've, okay. I've read it uh, a couple of times. It's really good. I'm a, I was a literature major, so I'm a big book nerd. I'm always okay. reading stuff. Um, so it only had like modest success at the box office, but since then it's become like this huge cult hit and people quote it. And it's, it's, I think it's just generally overall the best movie of all time. It's made a lot of best lists over the years. It's in my top um, three for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So before we get into some of the themes, let's just talk about artistically, like what makes this a great film like what, what do you love about it i mean for me i, I love the writing it's just so witty it, mm -hmm. it's so witty and i think you kind of said like it's fantastical and it i'm not a silly person mm -hmm. it stays just on the line of not getting silly even though it's it's fun and lighthearted. and uh -huh. i think yeah that's it and i think there's are so many themes which i may not get to but they're just so deep to the human heart mm -hmm. um but handles it in a lighthearted way, as you said. And I, you know, I, to me, that's the writing at the end of the day yeah. is the, the best thing I love about that movie. Yeah. How about Re you? Really good dialogue. Um, the acting, like such good actors. Mm -hmm. We have Broadway actors and, and a lot of these actors have gone on to do big things. Uh, Robin, Ren, uh, Robin Penn Wright and uh, Carrie, I can never pronounce his last name, Elways, Yules, I don't know. The guy who plays uh, Wesley. Wesley. Yeah, I can yeah. Never, but he's been, he was a liar, liar. Um, he, was uh, yeah. just, he was just in Netflix, uh, Stranger Things. He was on the uh, last season of Stranger okay. Things as, okay. as uh, like the, the mayor, I think. So he's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, I love the fencing. Like that, that fencing scene of oh, man in black in an ego up on the cliff. Like that's just one, like better than any, any lightsaber battle, I think. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's and like the dialogue. Up, yeah, it's so dialogue unbelievable. Yeah. It's like up there with uh, Star Wars Phantom Menace, like the, the Darth Maul. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's right But that doesn't there. have the dialogue. It I mean, doesn't of, have the dialogue. Yeah. You know, I was, yeah. you know, I must know who you are. Get used to disappointment. <laughs> used to we could disappoint. probably go back and forth. On different lines. Yeah. You are wonderful. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not left-handed. Sorry. We could, we could just we could quote just the whole movie. That's yeah. what this podcast will be. Just quoting the whole thing. Um, and I also love the trope of a bedtime story. You know, that it's like, not a, right. We want to really make this clear. This is a fairy tale. Like we have a grandfather reading to a grandson and it's Fred Savage. Um, right so there. anyway, I just yeah. think that's, that, that's brilliant. So all right, so enough about just geeking out about the movie. Let's get into some of the themes. And I wanted to start off with the namesake of the movie, The Princess Bride, Buttercup. I want to talk about Buttercup's journey. She's really, I think you could say Wesley's the protagonist, but in a lot of ways, she's the protagonist. It starts mm -hmm. off talking about Buttercup, and it strikes me that she is a woman kind of balking and fighting against a world where she doesn't have a lot of control. 
you know, where she, she, and in the beginning she's on the farm and she has a lot of control because Wesley will do whatever she says. If Mm. he just, he just says, as you wish, you know, but then she's captured by Humperdinck, going to marry a man she doesn't love. She's captured by the thieves. She's captured by the man in black. She's captured by Humperdinck again. And she's, she's escaping, jumping over the side of the boat and she's swimming with the eels. She's going out on her, her runs. She's pushing the man in black down the hill. She's, you know, even at the end, she's, she's running off to the, the honeymoon suite to take her own life it just seems like she's she's constantly fighting against all these constraints that are trying to to control her and so i was trying to think about how this can apply to us and just kind of how many of us feel trapped by our circumstances in the things that we're going through in our daily life like i, I how many of my friends feel like trapped in a career mm. you know how many people feel trapped in a relationship or trapped because they're not in a relationship. Right. <laughs> you right. know? Um, so let's, can we talk about Buttercup and just kind of like, what can we learn from her, from her successes and from her failures? What can we learn from this woman who's trying so hard to have control? Well, and I get this a little bit more, you know, we traded some notes beforehand talking about more about, you know, Wesley, the man in black. But, you know, I was, if I think about her, she's great blend though of femininity mm-hmm. and strength. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think you see that. And, and I agree with you, like the, the circumstances are beyond our control, but isn't that everybody at some point, right? Yeah. COVID taught us that a bit. <laughs> Life is beyond our control, but she does show incredible strength mm-hmm. uh, in, in the midst of all of them. Many times, yeah, not always perfect, but yeah. I, I don't know. As I was thinking about that and you pointed out, I, I just think she's strong, you know, and she's immature in the beginning, kind of like bossing mm-hmm. him around a little yeah. bit, right? But then there's a strength when, um, like you said, to take ownership of the rides and then not, you know, she stands up to the the, guy, the very guys that are mm-hmm. trying to kidnap her. You know, what's the line about a cowardness to Vizzini and, you know, and oh, uh, yeah. you know, about you're, you're, you will hang. You know, he's like, of all the throats to be carried, yours is the <laughs> one you should be most worried about, your yeah. highness, uh-huh. right? Another great line. So I, I think, though, the incredible strength she does show the whole time. And, and uh, that's just what comes to me. And I think if, even when things are out of our control, we can be strong yes. in the midst of that. Yeah. And I think that is a lesson that our Catholic faith really helps us discern. I mean, look at Jesus. Like, right. Literally gets captured, put in chains, whipped, led to be executed. Right. Total interior freedom. Right. You know, exactly. And, yeah. Like, man. I want that. <laughs> Not that I don't want, the, I don't want like the whipping and all that, no. but I want the interior freedom. You know, I want to be able to, when people are taunting me or people aren't saying I'm the greatest thing, I want to be able to, to have that confidence that Jesus has. Uh, I want to be able to, to, to have that freedom to not be so controlled about other people's expectations of me. Um, what the, I feel like the world expects of me. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't, she stays, you know, believing I mean, and she kind of has a naivete at the end, you know, about the ships and whether the king actually sent them. And then mm-hmm. she kind of realizes, oh, of course, you didn't send them, you know, but yeah. um, and at some point, like, OK, you should have woken up to this guy. It's not as good mm-hmm. by that point. We could get into the different flaws of characters. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that idea of staying strong throughout and no matter what our circumstances, we can we can choose that and having faith. Even in the midst of, you know, she does believe he will come, you know, and then she doesn't need him to reassure at the end. No, you yeah. didn't do it. If you didn't, you know, and I have that in the notes too. But, um, yeah, that, that we we stay strong and trying to stay strong even when circumstances are beyond our well, control. And, and that's something that gets pointed out about her when when Wesley's uh, spoilers for something that happened twenty, you know, thirty years ago. But <laughs> when the man in black. Wesley is trying to figure out like, has she really been true to me? Yes. In the meantime, he says, faithfulness, madam, he spoke of your enduring mm. faithfulness and, and mm. he doesn't know that she was forced into this, but you see her when she's captured, she's like, it doesn't matter. My Wesley will come for me anyway. Like she, she does have in it, it. Maybe it's a little naive, but I don't know. I think maybe in sometimes the faith we're supposed to be a little bit childlike, a little bit innocent. Yeah, and yeah. even when the odds seem stacked against us, like, you know, having that hope that we can get through. So I find uh, that I, inspiring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your faithfulness is a great one. I, I love this. Is why I love having conversation. I'm learning so much from you and your notes on, on this movie that was not even my perspective at all. So I'm, that's why I'm glad we're having this conversation. There's another scene with Humperdinck. I wanted to, not Humperdinck. What's her name? Buttercup. Um, I wanted to ask you about is she has this dream where she's before the whole kingdom and everyone's bowing down and then boo the queen of slime, the right, queen right. of filth, the queen of putrescence, and she says. Why do you treat me this way? And he says, because you had love in your hands and you threw it away. You treated it like garbage. And that's what you are. The queen of putrescence. You know, it's this great line. You got this old woman yelling at her. And it turns out just to be this dream. But 
I mean, I feel like so many of us have that interior dialogue of even when things are outside of our control, we, we think about, oh, I could have done this differently. Oh, I should have done this differently. And we, we feel like garbage. Well, I think, and there's another point of her strength and then being having more control even when things are out of our control than we think we have. Mm. So that dream is her conscience speaking to her. I can't do this. Mm. And she doesn't ignore it. She goes in and she challenges the king. She, you know, she says, I can't marry you. Mm. She acts upon the conscience right. uh -huh. and she stands up, even though in a, in a situation that's seemingly out of her control and so much is, mm -hmm. but she uses the autonomy she does have. And I think, again, that is a reminder to us that yes, a lot of times things are out of our control. We don't control everything only, you know, we're not God. Uh, and even God gives up free will to us, mm -hmm. but we can't forget the autonomy or control we do have, or, or you know, a control sometimes is too long, right, right away, but autonomy or the yeah. ability we can have to influence and act. And she does do that. Yeah. And that does change the outcome in the, at the end of the day. Yeah, I didn't realize that because it is right after that, that she goes in yeah. to, to talk to him and he, she's like, I can't marry you. I can't marry you. And then he realizes that she, he never sent the ships and he says, you know, the, um, Wesley and I are, I forget exactly what it was, but like Wesley yeah, and I are, are joined by like the bonds of love and you can't track that with a thousand bloodhounds. You can't yeah. break it with a thousand swords. Um, and, it's just, and then you are a coward and I say you're a coward because the most miserable whatever to, yes. to walk the face of the earth. Um, and she says, I would not say such things if I were you and throws, yeah. her, throws her in a room. But that is right when she stands up and it is because she has this deep belief in the love that she and, she and Wesley have. Um, I want to I want to come back to true love a little bit later. We'll we'll, we'll get to that in a second. And 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 what is real true love, uh -huh. especially from uh, perspective informed by our faith. Um, but I feel like a lot of her times of freedom do come from her relationship with Wesley. And I feel like some people might look at that and be like, oh, you know, the woman needs a man to really be her best self. But I, I think there is a truth to that because I mean, like I. I need my wife to be my best self sometimes. I need my friends to be my best self sometimes. And of course, I need God to be my best self at all. <laughs> you right, know, like right. I think so much, a lot of times as Americans, we can be just stuck in this rugged individualism of like, I am the one who will stand against all odds. And it's like, okay, but like, you'll get a paper cut and then you'll be like, crying about that all day. Like, at least that's how I am. Like yeah. the littlest thing happens and it, all of a sudden I'm not so awesome anymore. And so I think Buttercup does remind us in the, her relationship with Wesley that we do need each other. We do need that community. And that is like, that's really where the strength comes from. Yeah. Right? You see community in this movie throughout again. Yeah. The, I mean, it goes back to Genesis. You're right. It's not good for the man to be alone. Mm, I'll right. make him a suitable helper. But right, it's a suitable help for the man and the woman help one another and the, and the, and, and working together. Mm -hmm. um, so you see that, I mean, later you see a community and at the end of the movie, you know, Wesley cannot succeed without his friends, right? Yeah. Without, without, without mm -hmm. an ego and Fezzik, right? Mm -hmm. So the whole idea that any of us is, is complete in and of ourselves is, is, is not true. And you see that, although you see through Wesley's incredible strength and we, we haven't got to him yet, but mm -hmm. even he, the only reason he succeeds is because the Dread Pirate Roberts trains him up. Yes. Uh -huh. So I don't know if you want to jump to that yeah, yet. We'll get there. There. There, there's yeah. one more thing I want to say, and then I think that's a good segue into Wesley. Is, uh, a few uh, months ago, I had Edmund Mitchell on the show, and uh, a story that he loves to share, um, I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but it's it's like a parable of a father and a son. And the son is like working on, on Legos or some some project mm -hmm. that he like can't figure out. His dad, I've tried so hard. I've tried as hard as I can. I've done everything I can. Is and uh, he says, well, just, you know, make sure you do everything you can. Make sure you do everything you can. He keeps getting frustrated. He's like, I'm doing everything I can. And he finally gives up and he says, you know, you never asked me for help. Like, and how often do we feel like we're doing everything we can, Right. but it's because we haven't actually reached outside. Like I'm struggling with this sin and I feel like I've been struggling with it for years. And, but like have how often have you gone to confession? How often have I talked to a friend about it? Have I, have I thought out, sought out a therapist or a wise mentor to actually right. talk about these things? And so often we feel like we're doing everything we can, but everything you can do by yourself is like exponentially smaller than what you can do, even with just a little bit of help. Yeah. Reaching out great. to God and community. And yeah. So um, now getting into Wesley, this was, I'm going to, I'm going to let you go first on this. Cause this is something that you uh, put in, in your notes that I really 
was was interesting to me. Tell me about your your take on Wesley and where his place is in this story. Yeah, I mean, a little bit to me, it talks about the masculine journey okay. that I think speaks so much. And I, I got a lot of this from John Eldridge, so I, I want to give him credit for that about author of Wild at Heart. Uh, Wild at Heart. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you haven't read it, and he's Great got book. a bunch of other stuff. But to me, that's what is so deep in this movie is, you know, and he talks about first of all the, the core question of every man is, do you have what it takes? That mm-hmm. every man asks that question. And then uh, men want a battle to fight, a beauty to rescue, an adventure to live. And I think you see, so you see it so clearly. And, and then there's the line I love from Wesley. One of my favorite lines is when she asks him, she doesn't know yet that he's Wesley. She says, mm-hmm. who, who are you? I am no one to be trifled with. Ooh, such a good line. <laughs> it's such a good line. And I think it's at the heart of every man. And uh-huh. I, again, I can't answer for women just because I'm a man. Yeah, but yeah. every man wants to be a force in this world. Mm. And to be strong, yeah. And so that that is what I just see so much in Wesley of like, you know. And he, he has strength, he has skill, he has smarts. Like every guy, you know. Again, I'm not saying women don't want this too, but it just yeah. as a man, I'm like every guy. I want that. I want to be the guy that comes through in the pinch. Yeah. You know, it's why we like celebrate the guys. You know, Tom Brady. You know, mm-hmm. you might not like Tom Brady, but he comes through. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. Derek Jeter. You know, Mike, Michael Jordan. Like those guys because they come through, and we see that a little bit. Again, so much in Wesley, you know, it's the inconceivable. I can't believe yeah, he keeps getting through this. But again, it's sort of it, like yeah. that with some of the best athletes. You can't uh, figure out how they get through yeah, at that time. How did Leo Messi do it again? Yeah. You know, how does LeBron James do it again? Or Steph Curry? Yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I love what you So I, I read Wild at Heart. We'll put this in the show notes. I read it when I was a young man, maybe like 20 years old. And I was kind of like, meh, didn't really like it. I read it again this past summer when I was going through some stuff and like, Man, it like really hit me. So I don't know if I just was like not mature enough to need it or whatever. No, but, I think that's true. I, yeah. And I, I even had, you know, same thing about Wild at Heart. Same thing about Princess Bride. I didn't. I saw it the first time and didn't do anything for mm-hmm. me. Same thing, you know, one of my top four movies was Braveheart. The first mm-hmm. time, some of these things you got to hit at the right time or whatever to, yeah. to, to really hit your heart. I like what you said. Uh, so this is from John Eldridge. A uh, man wants a battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue. Now, the one thing you said that I appreciate, as you said, you know, just cause we're talking about men are like this. And we talked about, uh, buttercup and her femininity and her, her strength. Like, I, I feel like if we take these categories, like too strictly, like listeners, if you're out there and you're like, Ooh, they're talking about masculinity and femininity. Like uh, the way I always think about it is like, you kind of know it when you see it, but it doesn't need to be this like narrow prescriptive of like, mm-hmm. if a man is like this, then a woman can't be like that, you know? So, right. I, but mm-hmm. I think this is helpful, at least for, for many men, and at least for me as a man, to have this kind of framework of like, well, what battles am I fighting? And is it the right battle to be fighting? Should I really be fighting this battle or should I be picking a different battle? What is the adventure of my life? And like, a lot of, for a lot yeah. of my 20s, I was chasing being a rock star on the stage because I wanted girls yelling, going, oh, you know, you're right. so great at the guitar, you know? Um, and a hmm. beauty to rescue. Like, I got off track a lot of times in my life because I was just going after the pretty girl, but there's a, there's a, a deeper beauty that our heart longs for yeah right more than just you know the most beautiful woman buttercup in the world but there's there's something deeper right that we're not satisfied until we get like getting married to a beautiful woman and having her love you is not gonna like fill all the holes in your heart you know and if you expect it to do that like i think you're gonna have a pretty unhappy marriage you know yeah i Um, I think it goes back a little bit to the strength that am i bringing strength to people am i bringing my strength to others so that's Mm -hmm. you know that's what i think what the beauty to rescue thing is i think as a husband and father, um, so I didn't, I didn't mention the beginning, I'm you know, married, my wife and me, I'm married 25, almost 25 years, nice. eight kids. You know, as a father, as a man of the house, you know, there's times where I can make them want to serve me. Mm. The, the beauty to rescue to me is, again, as Jesus said, you know, he didn't come to be served, but to serve. Does that mean do I come to serve people mm-hmm. and come in or do I come in expecting, do I come to try to bring my strength? Yeah. And I need the strength of others too. That's the community part. But do I try to bring my strength or do I take from the people in my life? So that, that speaks to me a little bit of that. Yeah. He said, Jesus says to his uh, apostles when they're like jockeying for position, you know, the leaders of the Gentiles, they lord their authority over one another, but it's not to be so with you, you know, to be the greatest, you must be the servant of all, if you want to be the greatest of all. And um, again, that freedom that Jesus has, that, that strength, but it's like, it's like channeled, you know what I mean? uh, C.S. Lewis says in the Chronicles of Narnia about Aslan, he's a lion and he's a good lion, but he's not a tame lion, right? right? He's no one to be trifled with. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) That's that's what Wesley is here. And that's, uh, you know, what I want to be. I don't, I don't want to just be like, 
a nice guy. Of course, I want to be nice, but I, I don't want to be walked on or let the people I, I love get walked on. Not not for my own ego or anything, but because we need some strength in this world to, to, to fight for what's right. But at the same time, I don't want to be this domineering force that just bowls people over. And I feel like so many men fall into one of those. You know, we don't want to be this angry macho guy. And so we become right. this kind of passive, pacifying, nice guy. But we or we don't want to be that pacifying nice guy and so we become this kind of domineering guy and what does god say adam's job is is to be a gardener right yeah you don't just take and rip up stuff or you don't have much of a garden okay but you can't just let it be either otherwise you just have like thorns you know so there's a real cultivation i think that has to happen in the interior at least is what i've noticed in my life is my interior life really needs to be cultivated and that's where my strength not only can i like harness it and like control it but it actually grows stronger like right. i'm actually stronger when i'm not dominating people i'm actually stronger when i've i've, I've harnessed my strength and, and kind of channeled it and trained it you know what i mean um and yeah sorry go ahead. I was just cause I, I, when you're talking about strength i think that's a lot of men a lot of people misunderstand jesus because this is this is what who he was he was strong I think people often mistake, and especially I would say men, don't follow Jesus because they're not very inspired by him. Mm. At least, and that's not because Jesus is inspiring, it's because we, how we portrayed him. Yeah. Um, and that's why my, my favorite gospel is Mark Gospel, because you see the strength of Jesus coming through. Mm. And um, you, you just see that. And, and, and Jesus was incredibly strong. And where do you get his strength from? We got it from the Father. Mm. Right. He got it from, you know, in, in Mark's gospel, he's like, read Mark's gospel again, just like the power, the strength of Jesus is just so evident. But then there's little passages and he got away in the morning and was way with his father. Yeah. And that's where he got drew his strength. So I, I think, you know, again, I know you don't want to take all about masculine and femininity, but I have a 21 year old son. He texted me recently. like, you know, what do you think makes a man? <laughs> and I, I think there are a lot of people in that age group that are, I think in their 20s, you start to wrestle with that a little yeah. bit. And, it, and I asked him why I, I gave him some thoughts, really some stuff from wild heart, but then I'm like, well, why do you ask? He's like, well, cause you know, a guy on the ship, he, my son's a Marine, you know, guy saying, you know, you have sex with a lot of women that makes you a man. And I'm like, no, <laughs> let me know how that works out for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's not, that's not it. Cause that's not serving people. Yeah. You know, I'm like the model of masculinity is Jesus who again came to not to serve, you know, be served, but to serve mm -hmm. and who looked to use his strength to build others up. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I, so I think some of that stuff is needed in our age yeah. as there's some of this confusion. I agree. So this is a good segue because what we see in a lot of the other male characters is kind of a failed masculinity where they've taken this battle to fight adventure to, hmm. I forget what it is. Um, adventure, you know, battle to fight, beauty to rescue, adventure to live. Adventure to yeah, live. Yeah, they, yeah. they take the, this adventure, this battle and this beauty and it gets corrupted. It becomes like an idol, right? Um, so Humperdinck, what is he all about? He's all about the adventure, right? He loves hunting, right? He mm -hmm. just wants to go off and hunt. And the book goes into this a little bit more. The pit of despair okay. in the book is called the zoo of death, where he keeps like all his crazy creatures that he's captured okay. and he likes to fight. So he's like crazy spiders in there and stuff. And, okay. um, in, Inigo and Fezzik have to fight their way through to get to Wesley in the book, which is kind of cool. Okay. Um, and, uh, so he, he, and he wants to start this war just cause he wants to go fight. Right. So he's mm. all about the adventure, but ultimately at his core, what is he? And buttercup says it, he's a coward, right? Yeah. He's trying to prove himself that I really am a man because I can track whatever, you know, and I can hunt whatever beast mm. and I can control the fates of countries like this adventure that he's going for. And like so many young men, they just want to travel the world. They just, they just want to, you know, get the highest high they can because they, they want to do the most dangerous extreme thing. And it becomes this idol. You just always want more. You always want more. It's yeah. never enough. Um, and that's even what I found in my own self, like trying to become a rock star is it, it, that was the world of an adventure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an adventure and it's great. And there's nothing wrong with being a rock star, but ultimately for me, it was just like so draining. Like I'm just playing in this club and playing in this club. And did that girl in the front row think I was cute or did, you know, did the other guitarist think I had a good solo and just, right. uh, did we sell enough CDs? Did we get any MySpace followers? <laughs> you know, like MySpace, it just yeah. becomes this empty <laughs> chase. And so many people waste their lives grinding away for this adventure. And it's never enough. Yeah. You know, that's really interesting from the book. Cause I, I thought more, you know, that he's the fraud mm. and fake 
Yeah. And there is a little bit though of trying to control everything. So going back to your beginning, but buttercup and control he's trying to control everything so like he can have this fake war yeah. mm -hmm. that's drummed up that's not noble at all and, and i just think you know and i you know we get to count ragoon too ragoon is that how you say it anyway rugen rugen i think it's rugen yeah. that's it we'll get to him in a second but like he on his face looks good mm -hmm. like humperdinck yeah but he's evil Super at his heart evil. <laughs> he's super evil at his heart and it just reminded me that evil needs to present itself as good Mm. at least on the surface yeah now uh, the count doesn't have to because he's got the king protecting him yeah but yeah the fraud we can all become and you know if we you know pursue adventure in the wrong way or try to control the world mm -hmm. like we're not meant to control the world you know we're, we're meant to again have autonomy but if we try to control too many things control people yeah um, rather than love them, which we probably could get to at the, you know, yeah. then yeah, we become frauds and we pursue evil in ways we wouldn't even think. Absolutely. Well, and so Rugen, the way I see it, well, what, what do you think about Rugen? Like how, how is he this kind of failed masculine? Yeah, no, I know. And, or how's he go wrong? You had a different perspective than I did. I just think he's pure evil. <laughs> I mean, I, he is pretty evil. I think you got it, but you had a good input insight in that too, I think. But I just think, you know, it, it's after uh, when he, he stabs an ego and he's like, you've chased me your whole life only to fail. How wonderful, How wonderful. right? <laughs> he just uh -huh. like, he celebrates the failure of another mm -hmm. person. Like, and the torture. Now I do think you have another kind of idea. Well, I was, too. I was thinking it's kind of, he kind of has this idol of, of science, you know, he's yeah. torturing Wesley and he's just like, no, this is for posterity. So please, please be honest, right. you know? And I think that a kind lot of Nazism, times, right? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a real temptation in the human mind. And again, this is a corruption of the garden where it was given dominion over the planet, but a lot of people, because in pursuit of science and knowledge, they can kind of dehumanize, you know, right. and, and do these experiments and use this for medical testing and that for medical testing and all sorts of biomedical ethical questions. But I think there, there's a temptation in the, in the human mind in our quest for knowledge and in our quest to control, yeah. because ultimately God does put us in control. Um, if we focus too much on that and don't remember that God is ultimately control and we're just right. his stewards, right? right? We can, we kind of make ourselves like little mini gods, right? Yeah. Um, and again, that's just a path to misery because you're never going to control it all and you're going to hurt a lot of other people along the way. So I, mean, I love this conversation. I'm bringing stuff out of the movie. I, I would have never thought about the control <laughs> Me stuff. Me neither. That's Me neither. great. Well, and uh, also I, I really appreciate Sometimes when I have guests on, it's clear they've read like none of my notes, but it's like very nice that you've like <laughs> okay, okay. read my thoughts and I've read yours. And um, yeah, this is good. This is great. So thank you. Um, I want to talk about, again, we're talking about uh, kind of failed masculinity yeah. and not the Wesley's perfect, but I want to talk about Fezzik and Inigo. Yeah. Because they're not evil characters. They're good, but they're thieves. They're kidnapping people. Yeah. Um, you know, killing people. So let's let's talk about um, Fezzik. Like, how is how is how is he failing, and how does he come to kind of grow into his masculinity? Yeah, I mean, that's what's kind of different. I mean, I mean, it's interesting that that, that they just get on the wrong side, right? Yeah. And they don't mean to. I mm -hmm. thought that was a great point you had too, but they don't have any other kind of purpose or meaning. So. Yeah. You know, I think Fezzik is just, a, he's actually, like a, you know, very likable yeah. and, you know, and, um, you know, the, 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 the rhyming and all that kind of stuff. But, Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> right. And, you know, he, he's, he's like trying to start a war. And he doesn't even know it. And then, yeah. it, then he's upset, though. So I'm kind of pointing out his more better qualities. And then when he, like, wait, I didn't know we were going to hurt anybody. You know, like, yeah. so I guess there's the naivete, I think, a little bit that. And, and this is the, the, the tension, I think, a little bit. There's evil in our world. There's really evil people, unfortunately. That's, and it's a mystery that people side with evil. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there's people like Fezzik and Nigo who aren't evil but can get mixed up in evil. And how yeah. do we discern that and separate that? Mm -hmm. that's, that's a complicated question at times. But yeah. he, he, I think just he's not discerning enough to know who, he's, who is he kept in company with. Right? Exactly. At the end of the day, you, know, you tell younger people, you know, beware who your friends are. Mm -hmm. it, just beware who your friends are and how they're influencing you. I have a friend who's a psychologist, and he says that like so much of our trajectory in life is influenced by, I think, I forget the number, but it's like the five people you spend the most time with. Yes. And yeah. the five people you spend the most time with, they ha just have this this like gravitational pull on you. Mm -hmm. And so it's very important who your friends are, 
who you're hanging out with, which coworkers you're choosing to hang out with, who you date, especially. Um, I would always tell my students and they would roll their eyes at me. I was like, you guys hear about peer pressure all the time. What about bay pressure? But like who you, the person that you date, they can really influence mm. you, you know, like your, your buddies, if they're, they're going to laugh at you, like your girlfriend or that pretty girl is going to laugh at you. Like then, then you really feel that pressure. Right. But it can be yeah. hacked, right? If you use it in the opposite way, if you're dating a good person, if you're hanging out with good people, like, and all of us are weak, sometimes all we need to like really change our life around is just to change, uh, swap out one or two or three of those top five people that yeah. we're spending so much time with. And man, the difference, my, my wife is, is kind of one of these stories. And those who have listened to this podcast before know some of my, my wife's story in her past, but it was like, she always had this like heart for her faith, heart for helping people. Um, but like some, uh, some of her like college years were like pretty rough, you know, but once she started to like find some connections and started to make different choices about who she hung out with and, 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 and who she dated, humble brag, um, you know, like things started to really switch around for her. And, and that's exactly what you see here with Fezzik and Inigo is they were vulnerable to somebody like Vizzini. Yes. And yeah. they weren't bad, bad people, you know, uh, and he goes like, you know, you, you seem a decent fellow. I hate to kill you. Like, <laughs> what do you mean you hate you to kill? Like, but how many of us get into people. awful things just because it's just kind of what we fell into, you know, it wasn't a big choice. It's just kind of the, the frog in the pot of water slowly boils, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think Fezzik is definitely more just falling in and ego has got a little bit more. And then you kind of, again, talked about this. I mean, the revenge factor. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of a different feeling. You, you get the justice and the yeah. desire for justice, but that it, that drives his life. Mm -hmm. and he's making money till he can find the six fingered man, and, yeah. and and but his the the driving force of his life is revenge. Yes, mm -hmm. and um, probably I think you said too in the notes a little bit like yeah, the, the movie probably handles that a little lightly. You know, like that, <laughs> at the end of the day, unforgiveness and revenge will kill you, right? I mean, that's what yeah. Jesus says. Yeah, you know, the uh, the parable of the unforgiving servant to me just hits me so hard. It's like, you know, so, you know, Jesus talks about the, the servant who won't forgive him at the end and who's thrown in the torture chamber. And he says, so will my father do to you unless you forgive from your heart. And like, that just is like, holy mackerel. Yeah. You know, you can, you can complain about Jesus, but he's never unclear. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, I'm like that one, that's tough. So yeah, that it does handle that a little bit too lightly, that revenge, uh -huh. you know, revenge is, vengeance is mine, says mm -hmm. the Lord that and forgiveness, now, certainly the count needed justice, no, no doubt about it. Yeah. And he gets it in the end, mm -hmm. but about us pursuing that vengeance, that's not going to lead us to a good place. Yeah. So one, one kind of off to the side thing is, uh, the, the fight between Inigo and Rugen in the book uh -huh. is like way more badass. It's oh, really, it, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty, I, gotta read the book I won't now. spoil yeah. it. It's, it's okay. good. And I will say the book, there's, um, there's kind of these interludes where, um, in between the stories, it's, it's kind of like the grandfather and the son. And it's, it's like William Golding is kind of pretending that this story is this old story that his grandfather found and kind of edited out the good bits. So he's uh, like going to libraries and doing research. I feel like you could kind of skip those parts. That's like not as interesting. It's kind okay. of a weird literary thing he does, but, but the, the actual adventure part is, is, is really interesting. Um, and it's, it's, it's a pretty short read. Um, the other thing I was going to say is at the end, Inigo, and of course I love cause Inigo Montoya is like Ignatius Loyola. Good Spaniard. Um, he says, uh, you know, I've spent my whole life doing revenge and now that it's gone, I don't really know what to do with myself. Right. And I think there's a little hint there that like, Oh, like I'm not really satisfied, you know, which I mm. think, I think is true that well, when, we, when we have yeah. these hurts and we seek to satisfy them, but like, I'm right. going to show them, right. right? right. I'm just going to show them what it means. And like, I was good enough. I'm going to show those yep. people from high school that I can make it. And I, you know, like, <laughs> and yeah. I, I think there's a lot of hurt and frustration that comes that way because those people aren't thinking about you. Right. 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 <laughs> and so like, don't let them continue to, to dominate your mind. You yeah. Know? But, I mean, what, uh, what is, what is accounts that you're the little brat that I don't, uh, Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I oh, forgot yeah. about that. I forgot about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So often we, we are haunted by these people and like they forgot. And I think even in my own life, like when I, when I was a little 
kid in elementary school, you know, and we'd like make fun of people at school and we were just joking around. But like, I wonder sometimes, like, you know, when I was making fun of that girl in second grade or making fun of that guy in, in first grade, like, like, did that stick with them? Yeah. Because sometimes that stuff sticks with you, right. you know, and we just gotta, you gotta let it go, you yeah. know? Now it's a little harder when your father's been murdered, obviously, but, um, like, I think the talking about the, again, the freedom of Jesus, like even there, even in those awful situations where something truly horrible has happened to you and been done to you and it's unfair and it shouldn't have happened, the still revenge is not going to, that's just going to eat you inside. Yeah. And I think, you know, we think about Jesus' teaching about, you know, turn the other cheek and he means that metaphor in the sense of you don't have to defend yourself in the sense of your honor or defend mm-hmm. anything like that. And you certainly have the right to defend your body and that kind of thing. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, we think about all those things. We think, oh, Jesus had such an easy life. No, man, he, he had, I mean, think about all the people that, you know, first of all, his own family, some family members, we don't know who they are exactly, think he's crazy at one mm-hmm. point for what he's doing. His disciples abandoned him and totally misunderstood him all the time. Like, yeah. like you, that passage you talked about, they're like, he talks about laying down your life and he's going to be killed. And they're like, well, who's the greatest? I think I am. I, you know, <laughs> and then the, the religious leaders, again, who betray him um, and, or, and Judas betrays him. And then the religious leaders who even at, I was, we just talked about recently, Jesus healing a man with a withered hand in Mark 3. And the reaction of the religious and political leaders is they try to destroy him. Yeah. He's doing good. Uh-huh. And yet he keeps teaching and preaching and modeling. Yeah, you need to forgive. And even on the cross, forgive them. They know what they do. So, mm-hmm. uh, again, and forgiveness is incredible strength. It feels yeah. weak, but really to really forgive is incredible strength. So, yeah. So, I, I think... Right. It's not going to fulfill us. I think that's a great point in the line at the mm-hmm. end with Indigo. I also love that um, from Mark 3, the man with the withered hand, because I think it's a good example of, you know, we all, a lot of times we'll ask God for miracles. Like, God, why don't you show me a miracle? It's like, because God knows a lot of times a miracle isn't going to really prove it to us, right? right? Because we have hard hearts. Like, we're going to be like, wait a minute, was that real? Did that really happen? <laughs> you know, like, did, did I really experience that? And I know I went on this retreat one time and I felt really close to God, but like, was, was that real? Like this person was healed. Like, was that cause we were praying or did that just kind of happen? Like, yeah. it's so easy to question those, those extraordinary things. Like true faith doesn't come from those. It comes from a soft and open heart to the Lord. That's, that's where our true faith comes from. Um, Speaking of miracles, I just want to talk briefly about Miracle Max because he's another example of it, uh, what is his mm. his wife Valerie I think says his confidence is shot ever since that yeah. rotten king's son fired him. Yeah. And again, a lot of times we we put too much stock in what we can do, and when somebody tears us down or we get fired or we we hit a speed bump like it can just wreck us and that that's human that's understandable but again that that freedom of christ if we if we go back to that garden inside and we're cultivating it in prayer and with good relationships and Mm. with good mentorships like yeah it's gonna it's gonna suck to get laid off but you're gonna be okay you know so that's a good point yeah i like mm -hmm. that the last uh men i want to talk about is the grandpa and the grandson. Okay. So we, we've talked a lot about like f- uh, failed masculinity and true masculinity. Let's, let's talk about the grandfather and the grandson in this light. You, you got any th- thoughts on them? Yeah. It's interesting. I don't, I, you know, you, you talked about the trope of the, the idea of the, the bedtime story. I, I hadn't given that a lot of, a lot of thought. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I, I love, you know, obviously the grandfather's coming to connect with his grandson and that's the, that relationship, the grandson who doesn't want to. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that's that's part of the relationship and how that changes at the end of the, the story. He, mm-hmm. You can come back tomorrow, you know. <laughs> as you wish. Yeah, that's, that's such a good ending. And as you wish, right? And, you know, and so I just like that trajectory of that, of of, of how that moves from I don't want to wish you wasn't here to getting drawn into the story. You, you got to keep with the story to yeah. come back tomorrow. So, uh-huh. and I think, you know, the power of story to change people, um, to change relationships. What, what, what do you think of, of that? So I, I see in this, the grandson, a lot of his like immaturities, it, it's similar to a lot of the immaturities we see in some of the other characters. Like all he cares about at first is sports. He's playing the sports video uh, game. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, which is funny yeah. <laughs> just, just to look at the video yeah, games for that Atari or yeah. NES or whatever he's playing. I think it's, I think it's Atari even, but, um, then he's like, where are the sports? You know, are there any sports in it? And yeah. that's kind of like comforting. Like he just wants an adventure. Mm. Uh, is this a kissing book? Like he's just very immature, but then he wants revenge. You know, he's like, who kills Humperdinck? Who kills right, him? Right. And he's like, 
Nobody oh, kills me. It's yeah. like, why'd you read me this then? Yeah. Like, that's the point. The good guy kills the bad guy. That's what's going to happen. And the grandfather just very patiently with them is like, do you, do you want to see the story? Through? You know, <laughs> right. and, and so often in our own lives, like, I know I'm that way. It's like, you know, what, how is this going to work out? God, like, God, why is this happening to me? Mm. You know, why, you know, when I was in college, was, why, why did this girl break up with me or her? God, are you, are you ever going to tell me whether I'm supposed to, you know, be a priest or not? Or, or am I ever going to find somebody that I can spend my life with? Or am I ever going to find a job or am I ever going to be happy at a job? Like there, there's so many things in our life where we're just like, ah, how does it end? God, tell me, tell me, tell me. And right. he's like, do, hmm. do you want to see the story through? Do, do you want me to continue? Like, and yeah, that's so, a great point. And then by the end, like he's, he's along for the ride. He's like, yeah, right. come back, come back tomorrow. Continue, continue to walk this journey with me. Yeah. Um, so that's I, I, great. We, I, patience for the story to unfold in our own story. stories and, and too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's and good. that's, that's how God works with us. A lot, a lot of times I feel like our biggest frustrations with God are just that he's a great storyteller and we want to know the ending. We just want to arrive at the ending. We want the spoilers, but no, nobody likes spoilers, right? right? At, at the end, you know, spo spoilers for in infinity war. If you've never seen infinity war but i when that movie came out i was teaching and one of my students came in and was like i can't believe this character right. and this character right. died and i was like ah right. now why does that matter so much to me because i would have seen the movie and i would have i would have seen it but for some reason finding that part out ahead of time kind of makes the rest of the story a little mm. less sweet Right. right. And so, and that's a truth about life. Like our brains are so wired for story. Like there's something about knowing that it's all going to turn out. Cause you know, when you watch a movie, like there's probably going to be a happy ending unless it's some weird horror movie or something. But if we have that faith in God, we know it's all going to work out, but we don't really want to know all the details, right? It would spoil some of the sweetness of our lives and some of the sweetness of our journey. If God told us everything in advance. Right. 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 And so I think some of our deepest struggles, God's just like, you know, maybe I should come back tomorrow and, you know, we, we can, yeah, <laughs> we can right, continue right. with it then, you know? Yeah. There, yeah the whole, so. just the power of story could be another, <laughs> be another uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. So true love, big theme in this, they say, you know, you, you, you truly loved each other. You might've been truly happy. You know, this is true love. Do you think this happens every day? Yeah. Um, that phrase, true love, true love, true love comes back again and again and again. Is there true love in this movie? What do you think? Is this really true love? And I was trying to death cannot stop true love. Death cannot stop I don't know if I bump, I jumped that line for you. For a while, but only if you're mostly dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it is. I mean, I, I would say it is. I mean, I think the true love is that, um, and again, it was interesting too about Wesley. He has to leave her mm. and come back. He has to change and grow up a bit too. He has uh, to mature. Yeah. And then he comes back with this strength, the skill, the smarts that he learned mm. from the Dread Pirate Roberts. And, um, but yeah, I, 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 I would say so. I mean, I think the, the sacrifice, you know, to come and the willingness to, to suffer, right? She's willing, you know, she's willing to, you know, not marry Humperdinck. She's not gonna, gonna uh, give in. He keeps coming, keeps on coming, keeps on coming. I, I yeah, I, I, th I think so. I think, I think that's why we love it. I think mm -hmm. that is like what the movie ties into. It's, and it's funny. I've heard other people talk, preach on sex in the church and about how it's funny how Hollywood that will often promote, you know, have sex with whoever you want as often as you want, like, and then it can't get away from true love and the kind of commitment of one person. And yeah. like the line at the end, you know, there was never a kiss. So I, I'm trying to remember the end of the line, but yeah. the, it's the, like in all the kisses, you know, this, one, but this one blew the, them out of the, the water, purity yeah. of that. And that's what we all want in our hearts is pure love, like a pure love that is committed to each other. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, again, in, 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 in teaching the, the church of, the, the, a man loves his wife and clings to, to one flesh and mm -hmm. husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church, that the marriage that God wants to have with us, mm -hmm. the marriage itself is a, is a reflection of the commitment God wants to have with us as church mm -hmm. and we'll have at the end of the time. You know, the, the end of the story is a wedding. I think as yeah. people said, like you've talked about the garden, the mm -hmm. beginning and the end are wedding feasts, yeah. wedding and wedding uh -huh. feasts. So uh -huh. I, yeah, I, I think so. And I think that's what makes this movie so great is it, it mm -hmm. taps into that. Um, they, and the other day they're together. I mean, that's again what what what's long for. I don't know. Do you do you think differently? Or, so or I, you, I, think, I think the the movie and, and this is it's Hollywood. So I think our society yeah. tends to define true love as like truly powerful, passionate feelings from one another. Okay, which is not bad, but it's not 
true love. Like any old fool can right. fall in love. Anybody can have really powerful feelings for somebody. Um, and you know, it's something you got to find. You got to look out and find it. And hopefully yeah. you just bump into that person that makes the butterflies fly the right way in your stomach. Yeah. But like real true love for us as Christians, it's not just the feelings. Like the feelings are kind of the fuel that power the machine, yeah. but you need, like you can put fuel in a broken down car and the fuel can be perfectly good fuel, but it's not gonna run. And like what makes true love is you, you have to have all those other things working and then the fuel can do its work. So if, you know, Wesley went off to be a pirate and came back a scumbag, right? No matter how, what their feelings are like for each other, they could just end up trapped in this really toxic relationship where right. they're terrible for each other and they make each other miserable, but their feelings for each other are so strong that they can't tear each other apart. And how many of us have been in those relationships, <laughs> right? So the, the, what makes it true love is not the, the power of the feelings. What makes it true love is their faithfulness, their enduring yeah. faithfulness, right? And, and he comes back even when he thinks she's abandoned him and gone off with Humperdinck, he still comes back to find out, you know, right. can, is she, and even when she thinks he's a million oceans away, it doesn't matter. My Wesley will come for me anyway, that like they're, they're so committed to each other. And I think we sell people short sometimes when, especially even in the church, when we tell people about the beauty of marriage and the beauty of love and the beauty of sexuality, but we don't specify that it's not about the strength of your feelings. Like, and John Paul II, our Pope from two popes ago has this beautiful quote, which I am going to paraphrase that the real love begins when the first trial starts, right? When you fall in love with someone and you're going on dates or whatever, and you get all the feelings like the real love begins the first time you got to decide, all right, where are we spending Christmas with your family or my family? Okay. Oh, you said this thing that actually really hurt me. And now we got to figure out how to talk about it. Oh, like this really bad thing happened to us. And now, now we got to talk it through. Like that's where the real love begins. Right. right. And so, yeah. yeah. And I, I agree with you on that. You know, I, I'm thinking a little bit as you say that. And, and first of all, I do think there's sacrifice in the story. Oh, for sure. I, yeah. It reminds me a little though, as you were talking about that a little bit, of, and that's all true. So, mm-hmm. but see, C.S. Lewis, I remember in talking about in The Four Loves, uh, right. one of my favorite books, um, he talks about like how he was not going to call any love love except for agape love. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he kept wanting to do that. He's like, I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. That all these other forms of love that aren't like the high sacrificial love mm-hmm. that you're talking about, they're still love, even if in seed form or immature form. Yes. So, I, and I would say, again, there is sacrifice in the movie, but yeah, you're right. Does that come mm-hmm. off sometimes? And yeah, right. Hollywood, too much of a feeling drives everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, so agape is like the self-sacrificial love. Yes. Yeah, kind of like we're talking about charity. Sometimes it's, it's called. Yeah. Um, and when Paul talks in the, the gospels about like even greater than hope, even greater than faith, you know, it endures all things and love is patient. Love is kind. He's talking about agape, like the self-sacrificial love. Yeah. But you're right. The, the eros, the passion, right? right. Or the, the philia, the friendship or uh, story. Story is that affection. Yeah. You the, just kind of naturally have for some people, yeah, the family, family relationship, been, grown up together, been yeah, through yeah. a lot together. Like all of those things. I, I like what you said. They're like seeds and they're brought to perfection in agape, but each one of them can be powerful on their own. Yes. Um, and so I, and I think you do see them in this movie. Um, there's a quote from Humperdinck here where he goes down into the pit of despairs who have death, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And he's got Wesley tied up and he says, you truly love each other. This is right after she tells him off right. after buttercup tells Humperdinck off. He says, you truly love each other. So you may have been truly happy. Not one couple in a century gets that chance, no matter what the storybooks say. And so I think that no man in a century will suffer as greatly as you. Mm-hmm. Now he means it in terms of revenge because she loves you and not me. I'm going to make you suffer. But I think there's something about in kind of the, the Christian mystery of suffering, like who has loved the greatest? Jesus. Who mm-hmm. has suffered the greatest? Jesus. And there's something wrapped up in the mystery of love that is tied up with the mystery of, of suffering. And the word compassion, we talk about Jesus's passion. It literally means to suffer with. Yeah. Like there's something about love that is like suffering with the person, being willing to suffer for the person. Um, and so I think Humperdinck, Humperdinck is unwittingly saying something very true about love yeah. is the strength of your love is, is going to be tied up with you two or whoever it is that you're loving, like suffering together and for that person. And the same is true of our relationship with God. So, yeah, no, it's, yeah, I think that's a great, that's a great instinct on that one. The, you know, the suffering love will sacrifice and will suffer. And I also think just another point, not even related, but the cynicism that there's no other love out there. He doesn't even believe in love anymore. But, <laughs> that's true. But yeah, you know, 
of course, there's, of course, there's many examples of that kind of love. So anyway, mm-hmm. but yeah, but it, the willingness of love to suffer, just tough. I don't, I don't really like talking about that all that much. I, don't, but, I mean, I hate suffering. Yeah. So I love talking about how Jesus did suffer. For, he loved us. So he laid down his life for us. He suffered for us mm-hmm. out of love, a willingness to do that. Mm. Well, and I love that Jesus doesn't pull any punches, like in the gospel, like when they, when they, the apostles ask him, like, what are we going to get for following you? And, uh, he's like, well, you're going to die. You know, like <laughs> the seed, the seed, the seed of grain must fall to the ground. If it's going to bring new life, it's like, and, and you will get some stuff. Like there's no one who has followed me that hasn't given stuff up. That's not going to get, you know, 30 times, 60 times, a hundred fold, uh, but with, with persecutions, you know? Right. And, uh, if you, again, if you wish to be the greatest, you must be the least. Like he doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't offer us this like clean, easy life. He does. Yeah, promise- Jesus promises great rewards, but he does yeah. say there will be sacrifice and, for it. But he does say, I'm going to be with you. Yeah. I'm going to be with you through all of it, you know, until the end of the age. So, um, anything else about suffering and love? Yeah. I was just going to riff off of that point a little bit too, you know, yeah, on this, the sacrifice, you know, Jesus says great sacrifice and there'll be great reward. I think the whole point is no matter what we do, life will be tough. There'll be challenges. Yeah. The great thing is that Jesus says, you know, take heart for I've overcome the world that, yes. and all those things, I'm, like you said, I'm with you and blessings will be on that versus the futility of suffering and nothing, you know, yeah. to suffer with Jesus brings rewards to suffer without Jesus brings nothing. So, yeah. And that, that's kind of going back to our spoiler conversation. Like it, there is a spoiler in that, like there's a happy ending. There's going to be trial. Like, but you kind of know that when you get into a story, every story has trial and then there's a happy ending pretty much. But unless it's a tragedy, yeah, but, it's a, but, yeah. but we, Fair and when we have that faith in Christ, yeah, we, we know there, there really is a real fairy tale ending. Yes. C.S. Lewis says, uh, Jesus is the myth come true. Yeah. You know? and, and I think that's what we, we haven't even talked about. Gosh, we could do, we could probably do five hours on this. <laughs> but right. It's a fairy tale. But yeah, we, we, why do we love fairy tales? Because our hearts long for a happy ending. Yeah. We, we long for things to work out in the end. And our faith does say that's the end of the story. And revel, you know, no more tears, no more, no more crying, no more death. That the end of the story is utter joy and happiness. And mm. so I think there's just that part, you know, uh-huh. why we love this story, this movie too, because yeah. we, we do long for a fairy tale ending because we've been wired with that with God. We have been wired. Yeah, God's yeah. put that longing in our hearts, you yeah. know, and our hearts are restless until we rest in him. Um, one, one little thing, and this is just kind of the Catholic theology nerd in me, is, uh, you know, the, the bishop when he's like, marriage, we're, marriage is why we're here <laughs> together. And then Humperdinck rushes through the ceremony and just says, man and wife, say man and wife. And he says man and wife. But then Wesley's later is like, we didn't really get married because yeah. you, didn't, you didn't say your vows. And I'm right. just like, Catholic more, you know, Catholic sacramental <laughs> theology, like the consent of the sacrament. Like that's what, that's, that's the sacramental side. And so I, I, the theology nerd in me geeks out about that. Um, so Tom, at the end of, at the beginning of the episode, I told our listeners that at the end of the episode, we would have some real practical ways to live the gospel and know God's love. So if you could think of just like one thing that you're walking away from this conversation with, what's, what's your takeaway from this? Yeah. I think yours is better than mine. And hopefully I'm not going to steal it. Cause I always think about the fairy tale ending. I'm like, that's a great one. Just that, that we, we walk away knowing and we can walk away knowing the, the end of the story. I, you know, to me, I do go back though. So much of the themes for me was um, our journeys and especially the men and women that we learn from this. Mm-hmm. And as I thought about this again, the strength of Wesley that he brings to the relationship, but he gets that from, the Dread Pirate Robert, all the things of the strengths he got because the Dread Pirate Robert was sort of the mentor figure to him. Mm-hmm. And I think about Jesus, it's the same thing. He brought his strength and he brought an incredible identity. Mm. We haven't even really talked about that, but identity because he knew he was the son of the father. He was the beloved. And I think that's sort of what I, I think, our, rooting our identity in the father and knowing that we bring strength into this world out of that relationship. And... Um, that mentorship, so to speak, of, of being the beloved. So, and you know, love's a part of this too. We're, we're, we're the beloved, we're loved by God. And um, if we can carry that in all our living, like you're saying, all the people, what other people think about us, of course, it's always going to matter. But mm-hmm. when I know, I, I write every day in my journal, Father, thank you that I'm your beloved son. Mm. I'm trying to root my identity in that. And partly I'm just doing it because I got to remind myself, remind I forget yourself. every day. Yeah. So I think if we can root our identity in that, and, and it might be a little bit of left turn from what we we're talking about, but I think that's, as Wesley knew who he was from that training, we can know who we are from, yeah. from that. We know our identity in Christ and, and the mentors that help us to like 
kind of see that with a, yeah. with a little bit of a sharper lens. Yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, yeah. And I think my takeaway really is just to uh, listeners, especially if you are going through one of those suffering times, one of those times you feel like you're Wesley strapped into the machine and Humperdinck's cranked it up to 10 and you're just like, not really sure what life is doing right now and where, where God is right now. I, I hope that this message of a fairy tale is inspiring for you. And I know that's hard to believe because I've been in those times too, but maybe take some time in prayer. Maybe, maybe get one of those, those good top five people in your life, uh, go out for coffee or go, go on a long walk and just try to find a way to remind yourself that you are a, a character in God's great love story. And there's a great love story for your life that is full of passion and adventure, maybe fencing. <laughs> yeah. And that it has a happy ending. Always in, in that, that the Mark Knopfler song at the end, the storybook love always has a happy ending. And that's mm. what I'm going to walk away from this with is no matter what, even when life is smashing our hopes and dreams, we really do believe in happy endings. So, um, would you close this in prayer? Yeah. Thanks. Thank Listeners, wherever you are, uh, let's take a moment to welcome the Holy spirit into our hearts and let's pray. All right. Pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, we uh, thank you for this conversation. Thank you for Mike. And God, we do thank you that it is a love story that you invite us into. And we thank you that you so love the world. You so loved each and every one of us that you sent your only beloved Son to die for us so we might have a relationship with you. And so God, help us to enter into that love story, the love story you have for us. And God, we pray that... Again, all the things this movie it kind of talks to our hearts, that all of it would draw us into a deeper relationship with you and your son. And we pray about this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Tom, thanks so much for this and for welcoming here to Nativity and for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom with us. If people want to know more about you and Rebuilt and Church of the Nativity, where should they go? Yeah, a couple of websites, uh, churchnativity.com. That's our nativity and all we're doing. And then rebuiltparish.com. That talks about all the ways we're trying to help parishes grow and succeed and, and build great communities. Mm -hmm. And uh, just w one more little thing I'll say personally about Rebuilt. One of the things I really appreciate, you know, you can look on, on the Nativity YouTube page and like you can see the live streams and everything. But one of the things I really respect about what you do is you say that your, your core message is not, you got to do things like us. Your core message is like, here are some principles that you can apply to your parish and your community throughout like it doesn't need to look like us you don't need to have our type of music you don't need to have our, our specific things that we've done but here are some principles that are going to help galvanize your community in a truly gospel spirit that's faithful to catholic teaching so i just uh, i really encourage you if you're looking for a way to help revitalize your church community check out rebuild um it's it's a really great resource uh, and if you want to help out this show the if this conversation has been inspiring for you. Uh, the best way to help us is just to share this conversation. Share it on social media, send it in a text, take a screenshot, put it on Instagram or wherever you like to spend your online time. And that's how most people find our show. We've had a lot of growth over the last few months. It's because people like you are sharing it with people. So thank you so much. And if you really want to support us, you can go to popculturecatechism.com and become a patron. There are six levels of giving where you can find something that fits your monthly tithe or your monthly budget. And you can support our show and it helps this show keep running and supports all the people at a Awaken Catholic and me as well and our families. And uh, that all happens through the Awaken Catholic app, uh, that which is a free app, but you also get exclusive content through the Awaken app if you are a patron. But the Awaken app also has a great Christian prayer library, Christian music library. There's prayers on there in Spanish and English and Latin. And it's just a nice little Christian community of like-minded people. It's not as toxic as some places on social media if you're looking for that sort of thing. So I highly recommend downloading the Awaken Catholic app. I want to give a special shout out to all of our patrons who support the show, but especially Carl and Melissa Gore, Lisa and Bob Tenney, Steve and Maggie Hubbard, Tom and Emily Camberiati, Brett Hayden, and Darlene and Jay McCaffrey. Let us know in the comments what you love about The Princess Bride and what are your favorite parts, who are your favorite characters. We'd love to chat with you about that. And we, will lo we love you and God loves you more and we will see you next time. And since you're still here, there's a little something for you. Come, my love, I'll tell you a tale of a boy and girl and their story, and how he loved her oh so much, and all the charm she did possess. This did happen once upon a time When things were not so complex 
And how he worshipped the ground she walked And when he looked in her eyes He became obsessed My love is like a storybook story But it's as real as the feelings I feel My love is like a storybook story But it's as real as the feelings I feel It's as real as the feelings I feel This love is stronger than the power so dark A prince could have within his keeping His spells to even steal her heart Within her breast but only sleeping My love is like a storybook story But it's as real as the feelings I feel My love is like a storybook story It's as real as the feelings I feel it's as real as the feelings I feel He said, don't you know I love you oh so much Lay my heart at the foot of your dress She said, don't you know that storybook loves They always have a happy ending then he swooped her up just like in the books And on his stallion they rode away My love is like a storybook story But it's as real as the feelings I feel My love is like a storybook story But it's as real as the Feelings I feel, it's as real as the feelings I feel.